Hebrews 10, and we'll just read um, in verse 23 and down to verse number 25. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that it promised. And let us consider... Uh, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, I pray tonight you'd help me. Lord, you know my heart. Lord, you know the intents of my heart. You know the motives of my heart. And Lord, you know tonight I've come to be a help and to be an encouragement to the people of God Lord, you know that I've come tonight to try to preach the Word of God, Lord, the way you've written it and the way you intended for it to be preached. And I pray, God, tonight that you'd help us, Lord, to clear our minds and clear everything out and listen for the voice of God. I pray you'd encourage us tonight through the Word of God. I pray you'd help us tonight to draw near to you, Lord, to get close to you and to resolve tonight that, Lord, we're going to keep marching, Lord, in the direction that you've called us to march. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We've been looking here <coughs> for a little while on this last phrase that we read tonight. As ye see the day approaching. As ye see the day approaching. And again, I want to remind you that the day of Christ uh, in the New Testament is different from the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, when you read about the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's talking about when Jesus comes to the earth and brings judgment upon the earth. That's the day that uh, that's the day that Enoch uh, prophesied about, uh, where he said, "Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints." You see, the day of Christ is when He comes for us, but the day of the Lord is when He's coming with us. Amen. And uh, and and so I want to say this tonight: that if you're not on the Lord's side, you better get on it as fast as you can. Uh, there's coming a time uh, Moses come off of the mount there where God gave him the Ten Commandments and uh, Aaron compromised and, and allowed the people to make a golden calf and began to worship it and, and when Moses come down he says, he says who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? And tonight if you're on the Lord's side you need to be excited about the fact that the day is approaching. Amen. I, listen to not. The day is getting near. Uh, the Lord is preparing to come back for His children. I believe that with all my heart tonight. Uh, listen, there. this has been preached, I know. It's been preached and it's been preached and it's been preached. But I'm telling you tonight, it's coming near. The day is approaching. We see it all around us that we're living in a society that is full of anarchy. That's what it is. And listen, it's a society full of chaos and it's a society full of unsolvable problems. Did you know that? These problems that are being talked about and being and being and being uh, and that's all the commotions about and, the, and all the chaos is about man can't solve those problems. <laughs> and so I say that to say this the devil's got a man who's going to step out on the scene and he's going to be able to solve all these problems. And people are going to do whatever he says. 
and they're going to and they're going to be mesmerized by him. They're going to listen to him. They're going to bow to him. They're going to and, and, and tonight all I'm saying is we're seeing it all. I mean the table's being set. It's all everything's coming together. And so for us that are saved tonight, if we if you can't see it tonight, if you can't see the day approaching tonight, I want to ask you this: What more is going to have to happen before you see it approaching? And we've been talking about this, that there's some things we need to do as children of God as we see the day approach. And that's what this is about. Uh, and I mentioned it earlier. I've mentioned it again and again. I've heard this quoted, these verses quoted my whole life, especially verse 25. And it's almost like they just, the, the latter part of the verse is almost dismissed as not being, but that is the whole, see, that's the reason for what's being written here is that Paul, the, I believe he wrote this letter. I know God wrote it, but I believe he used the hand of Paul to pin it. But he's trying to, he's trying to compel these people that as they see the coming of Christ, as they see that, they approach him. They need to make sure, they need to endeavor uh, that their homes are in order, their lives are in order, that they're pressing toward the mark, they're living for the Lord, and they're serving him with all their mind. I'm afraid tonight he's going to find many ashamed when he comes. They're going to be ashamed of their, they're going to be ashamed of their life. They're going to be ashamed of their service. They're going to be ashamed of their commitment. They're going to be ashamed and then they're going to blush. They're going to blush when Jesus comes again. No, I don't say that boastfully because if God doesn't help me, I'll be in that number. There's a lot of preachers are going to be ashamed when he comes. Amen. Because they're going to have to answer for all the compromise and backing up and cowing down and selling out. They're going to have to answer to God for, for, for turning in their Bible for a paycheck, for a salary. But listen, I'm saying tonight, I don't want to be ashamed when He appears to you. I, I don't want to blush when I see the Lord. But I want there to be a smile. Listen, I don't want to feel like running and hiding when He comes. But I want to feel like running and laying down at His feet and bless in his name. Amen. Amen. When he comes, he ought to find us fighting and laboring and working and doing something for his cause. You say, but Brother Martin, we're outnumbered. It's harder and harder. It doesn't matter tonight. He didn't ask us to win the battle. We don't have to win the battle. He just called us to fight in the battle. Amen. Uh, listen, the battle's already won. But when he comes, we need to be ever pressing toward the mark so that we can be found faithful when he comes. We said in verse 19 through 21, there's a reality we must keep fresh as we see the day approaching. You know tonight the devil does everything he can to help us to get over being saved. He does. He helps us. He tries to numb our minds. Oh, but listen tonight, that's why we have to keep it fresh. He said that our sins have been blotted out, that our iniquities have been remembered no more. Listen, it wouldn't hurt none of us every single day to just take a moment and think about the wonder of it all, that Jesus would save sinners like you and me every day. We ought to just take a moment and keep it fresh that we ought to be in hell tonight, that we ought to be suffering for all eternity. But the God of glory sent His life son to die for our sins and not only that he sent a preacher to our way with the word of God and the Holy Ghost to convict us and he saved us and we got to keep that fresh in our mind as I said we didn't just get here in a moment it's been a long 
process to where we are tonight. And that goes for the church as well. Back in the 80s, and, I, and listen, I, I'm going to be very careful how I say this. There were some men of God that were greater men of God than I'll ever be who had good intentions, but they did a lot of permanent damage to the work of Christ because they started emphasizing numbers over anything else. It all become about the biggest. The biggest church, the biggest crowd, how to have the biggest Sunday school, how to have the biggest auditorium, how to have, and they, and they had, they even, they print out every year the top 10 uh, fundamental Baptist churches in America. And so what they started to do is they began to water down the gospel to get re re results, to, to get people to, to bow their head and say a prayer. I, I, I was talking to Brother David just last week. We was talking about this uh, Preacher's Institute and what's going on. And he's going to be teaching about personal soul and being a witness. And I believe in that, by the way. But I do not believe in, in treating the gospel like it's a used car that's got burnt valves. Amen. And, 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 got, and, got, and you're trying to talk somebody into buying something. And, that, and that's exactly what they began to do. They'd say things like this. Uh, now, if the person doesn't want to pray, just ask them and say, can I pray for you? And then when they say, yes, start praying. And then when you're praying, stop praying and say, now, wouldn't you like to pray and ask Jesus to save you? And listen to me, all that was was just a number. It was just a number. It was just a number. You say, how in the world? Because tonight, we're living in a, in a society that's full of churches, full of people going to hell. Because they never have believed the true gospel. They've never repented of their sins. I don't believe it's hard to be saved. I don't. I believe believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I believe that. I believe whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I know this, conviction and repentance is hard on the flesh. And the Bible does say call upon the name of the Lord. That same crowd began to argue, and they're out there today, that gee, you don't have to call, Jesus doesn't have to be Lord. You can call on Him as your Savior and not call on Him as your Lord. What they're saying is, you can come to Jesus and ask Him to keep you from going to hell and spend the rest of your life raising hell and living like hell and go to heaven when you die. That's not the gospel I read about. Every person that ever came to Jesus, He said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. And listen, Jesus didn't call the church to get a crowd. He said to make disciples. That's what we're to do. Amen. And the reason not it's become such a common thing. We've made salvation just an ordinary event. Just a decision in your mind. It involves a decision, but salvation is a supernatural event. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. You can run me off. You can send me away. You can lock me out of the house. You can throw my stuff in the front yard. You can run my name down. But I'll go to my grave believing true, genuine Bible salvation is a life-changing event that will leave you different from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I believe that. As we see today approaching, we need to keep that reality fresh. Last week, verse 22, we said, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart. Full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
in light of the coming of the Lord, as we sit there approaching, there's a responsibility we have to keep our fellowship with the Lord. He said, let us draw near. There's only one person tonight who's going to answer to God for my relationship with him, and that's me. And tonight, he tells us, as we see the day approaching, that we need to draw near unto him with a true heart and the full assurance of faith and be and clean. We talked, I'm not going to re-preach all that, but tonight we need to draw near unto him as we see the day approaching. I don't want to have to spend the first year of eternity getting to know the Lord. Amen. I don't want it to be like these kids, my little girl, and I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm not trying to ginger. She's starting middle school day. And she was real worried because she's on a different hall. I think they do that on purpose. I don't know. But she's another girl she went to school with. They're all spread up. And, they're, and, and, and she was worried about that. She was worried. And, and because she's not, and I'm the same way. And, and you would, as a seventh grader, you probably were too. A, a school full of people you never met, didn't know. And she was worried about getting to know people and making friends. And listen to me. I don't want to go to heaven that way. Thinking, oh no, I, 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 Lord, my name's James Martin. Dear. You remember saving me? And he said, Yeah, I do, but you didn't have nothing to do with me after that. <laughs> you didn't spend much time. You hadn't talked to me in several years, James. There's a lot I wanted to tell you. There's a lot I wanted to give you. But yet you had better things to do than to draw near to me. Paul said, We better get close to God as we see the day approaching. Listen, we don't know what kind of hell's coming on America. And to our churches they're finding them right now in, in California and when they get through finding them they're going to start locking them up you mark my words right. when they lock them up there they can lock them up here because right. I got news and I don't care if we lose our 501c or whatever that is or not Andy Bashir is just like that governor in California he's a, he's a staunch liberal you met one you met them all and and and, and listen <laughs> Oh God, I don't want I want to get on to the message. But anyhow, we better get close to God. We better draw near unto Him. It's time to quit playing games and putting on and faking it until we make it. We've been faking it for a long time and we ain't making it too well. And the church is dying. It's drying up, thrice dead, plucked up by the roots, dead. And we think we've got everything that we need. We think everything's all right. Listen, Jesus is coming, and we better draw near unto Him. It ought to be more than just a, and it ought to be more than just an event. Getting close to the Lord, it ought to be a lifestyle. Amen. Growing up, I had this mindset that fellowship with God was an event. It was something that happened, and then it was over. It was revival. It was camp meeting. It was youth meeting. It was when my favorite preacher preached or the, or the, or the youth choir come that we like. And, and, and it got wild and people shouted. We testified. We had a good time. We tore shingles off the roof. We swung from the chandeliers. We run out in the front yard. We got the American flag several times and marched around the liquor store that they put out there on the corner. We did. We did. I promise you. I've got people that's there to see it. And, uh, I mean, we did all that. And I thought for a while in my mind, I thought that was a fellowship with God. 
there ain't nothing wrong with none of that. I mean, there. I mean, it would be good for people to march around every liquor store in this county with an American flag. It wouldn't hurt a thing. Uh, but listen, that's not fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is not an event. It is a lifestyle. It's a daily walk as Enoch walked with God every day. And listen tonight, we need a revival of fellowship with God. And it's my responsibility to walk with God. And it's your responsibility to walk with God. When I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to be able to say, but Lord, them Baptists were hard. You know, they, they, you know, problems. And, you know, I wanted to have, have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. But I was trying to help them. And, try, and that's not going to be an excuse. And when you stand before God and you say, well, Lord, I was so busy. I had to work them hours, and I had to keep the yard, and I had to keep the house in order. I had to fix food for them youngins. I had to help them with their homework. I had to do this, and I had to do that, and I had all these things. That's not going to be a validation for not walking with God. Did you know this? When, you felt, when you're in fellowship with the Lord, while you're fixing the food for the family mom, you can have fellowship with God. Amen. While you're at work, Dad, you can have fellowship with God. While you're mowing, while you're, you understand what I'm saying? It's a lifestyle. And what I'm saying is as we see the day approaching, it's time that we cut away the things of our life that are hindering us and are keeping us from being close to him and realize the things that truly matter in our life. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. As we see the day approaching, we need to resolve to keep the faith. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Luke 18, 8, the Bible says, Jesus said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Did you know that when Jesus comes, can we see the day approaching? When he comes, faith is going to be a precious commodity. I saw something today. They said that right now, and it may not be true here, but there's a shortage on air conditioners. There's a shortage on dishwashers. There's a shortage. I said, I got four girls in my house. I ain't got anyway. There's a shortage on dishwashers. I'm just kidding. There's a shortage on um, what? Common commodity. You know what I'm saying? They, who would ever thought that you'd have to wait 30 days to get a dishwasher or to get a washing machine and, or a car? I went the other day, yesterday. Boy, man, I had a day from, from a day for all days yesterday. Uh, anyway, I ain't going to get into it because I'm proud. I don't want to get in the flesh, but, but, uh, but I had a belt break on one of my lawnmowers and I had to go over there to get a belt. And boy, that's a blessing getting one of them belts over there at the John Deere dealership. But, but I went there and there was, Larry, there was only like three or four zero turn more on the whole place and he said we can't get them he said they ain't got them to send us i mean who would ever thought if you had if you, if you had the money in your pocket tonight and you and you would think that you could go and if you wanted to buy you 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 couldn't buy one because they're not there and the same could be said about faith tonight i want to ask you something out if i said leave here and go find real faith go find some people with genuine unfeigned, true faith, how far would you have to go to find somebody? Just think about it. Just think about it. I'm going to ask you this, though. And the Lord's here tonight, but when He looks in this crowd, how much faith's in here? I'm talking about real faith. 
unthankful. And, and he says we got to hold fast our profession of faith. We must resolve to keep the faith. Listen, tonight there's, there's things tonight that we're holding on to that we ought to let go of. And there's things we're letting go of that we ought to hold dear to. And one of those things you and I uh, that we must hold dear is our profession of faith. That means simply our beliefs about the faith. Our confidence in the faith. Listen to me. There's an all-out war against biblical Christianity. They're saying tonight that if you believe the gospel the way the Bible presents it, that that you're a racist. That's what they're saying. There was a preacher named Body Beckham. He, he's, a, he's a black man. I don't agree with him on everything. He's a hard shell Calvinist. But I do agree with him on one thing. He preached a message, I believe pastors in Jacksonville, Florida, and he says that the gospel is the only hope for a black man. The gospel. And they wanted to, they, I mean, listen to me. They, 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 they absolutely tore him down, called him names. You understand? Called him names that, that I would, do you understand? They crossed the line, went way over there. I mean, they pulled a brother Gavin, went 20 miles over the line. And, and, and they just absolutely nailed him to the wall. Because he said they needed the gospel tonight. There is a war against the truth. There is an attack on the Bible. But gee, the devil has attacked the Bible from the beginning. Hath God said, and tonight that's what's being that's what's being promoted. Is it doesn't matter what God said, it's what we said, and it's what we want. That's what matters. Amen. We better resolve to keep the faith. You see, we need a grip that cannot be loosened. He said, hold fast. That word hold fast means to seize upon. To seize upon. You ever read about Eleazar over there in the book of Samuel? He was one of David's mighty men. And the Bible says he fought the Philistines and he fought them all day. And the Bible says he fought them so long that the sword cleaved to his hand. What that meant was, Brother Zeke, that if you walked up to his hand, you could not see where his hand started and where the sword started. They blended together. They become one. And oh, tonight, listen, I want to be that type of a person that the Word of God cleaves under my hand and that you can't pull it out of my hand. It becomes a part of my hand. There's a grip we cannot lose. 2 Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we ought to give more her heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Do you know what I need to hear and what the church needs to hear in the 21st century? We need to be reminded of the things that we've already heard. Right. You know how you'll lose a grip on sound doctrine? Is become enamored with new things, new truth, new ideas, new... Me- oh, I've never heard that preached before. There might be a reason you've never heard that doctrine preached before. Maybe because it ain't sound. Amen. Maybe it's not true. And listen, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to move along. But if there, tonight we must resolve to keep the faith. In order to do that, we must have a grip that cannot be lost. There's ground that cannot be lost. He says without wavering. That word waver means to lean. To lean. We cannot go back. And we cannot even lean back. We must press forward. What he's talking about is wavering. It means to lean towards the old life. 
to lean. Did you know before you ever fall, you lean? Before a church ever apostatizes, it begins to lean. And we need to make sure that we have that there's ground that we're not willing to lose. The blood, sweat, and tears of our heritage, our forefathers, they, they lived and died so we could have this tonight. So that we could have these doctrines. They were willing to die for the truth. They were willing to go to the stake and burn for the truth. They were willing to be locked up for the truth. They were willing to be persecuted for the truth. They were willing to be fed to lions for the truth. They would not bow. They would not give in. They said there's some ground that will die. And tonight we've given up so much ground that we ain't got much ground left no more. There's, we must resolve to keep the faith. There's a God, though, that cannot lie. He says, for he is faithful, that promise. Listen, now we got to keep the faith because we have a God that will not lie. He cannot lie. He ain't never lied. What that means is he's going to keep his word. He's going to honor his word. And, and guess what? He's going to keep those that keep his word. He's going to honor those that honor his word. He's going to bless those that bless his word. He's going he's to use those that are loyal to the faith of the word of God. And what I'm saying is if they nail the papers to our door and say you've got to quit. If they now the paper to our door and say you've got to quit preaching like that. What are you going to do? Are you resolved tonight to keep the faith no matter what? What if it costs you your job? What if they come in your plant? I hope this doesn't happen and they say bow your knee and lift your fist or you're fired. It could happen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just asking you a question. What are you going to do? Are you going to bow the knee? What if they, what if they threaten you? What if they come to you and they say, take this shot? Or you won't really be able to buy groceries no more. Me and Moses are going to be best friends. Y'all stay away from the yoders. They're mine. Y'all find you some more Amish around here to buddy up with. I'm serious now. I ain't no joke. But seriously, it could happen. That's the things that we're seeing coming down the track. And that's why he said, as you see the day approaching, you better hold fast your profession of faith. You better get a grip. And listen, why? Why must we resolve to keep the faith? Because we have a God that cannot lie. First Titus 1-2 said he's a God that cannot lie. Listen tonight, God is faithful. Faithful is he that promised when the Democrats and the Republicans and the rest in Congress and the House and the presidents are all dead and gone. God will still be on the throne. And God will still be faithful to keep his word. He will. And if God's faithful to keep his word, we ought to be faithful to keep his word. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, and I'm done. Verse 24. This is going to be, y'all just, if you think it's been hard, we're getting, we're just getting warmed up. Verse 25. Not forsaken the assembly in verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke the love and the good works. And not forsaken the assembly ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhort one another so much more as you see the approach. So I want you to know something real quick. In verses 19 through verse 23, there's an individual emphasis. Right? In verse 23 down through verse 25, there's a corporate emphasis. Let us consider one another 
to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as men or some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the approach. You see tonight, as we see the approaching, there's a relationship we must keep with the family. And I'm talking about the family of God. And tonight, you and I ought to thank God every day He let us be in this family. Amen. But, follow me, you can lose fellowship with one another the same way you can lose fellowship with God. How does one lose fellowship with God? By neglect, right? By, 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 by procrastination. By, 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 you understand, the same way we lose fellowship with God is the same way. And what the writer is saying here is as you see the day approaching, then you need to, you're, it's important that you have a church family, that you keep that relationship strong. Now listen, folks, there's going to come a time when I'm going to have to lean on you. You're going to have to lean on me. I thank God for the pillars in the church that God's allowed me to be around. Not just here, I'm talking about in my life. I thank God for strong men and women. Amen. Strong men and women in the church that, I, that I've been able to lean on in times of despair and lean on when my life felt like it was falling to pieces. People that have helped me along the way. People that have encouraged me. People that have helped meet my needs both financially and spiritually. And emotionally and tonight, we must keep our family, our responsibilities, and our relationship with the family of God. Verse 24 of our instructions. Number one, we must be willing to give attention to others. He said, let us consider one another. That word consider means to show interest in or to think upon somebody else. You want to know how to have a miserable life? Be consumed with yourself. And do you know, in order for a church to be healthy, it must have members that are constantly considering others. To be interested in others. To think upon others. Try it out. The next time you become Consumed with your own needs. Think about someone else's. Consider someone else's burdens. Someone else's problems. Someone else's valleys. There was nothing selfish about the life of Jesus Christ. And so if you're self-centered or not, whose steps are you walking in? Because they're not the Lord's. Do you know who the father of selfishness is? You read about him in Isaiah. He said, I will ascend. I, I, who was that? That was Lucifer, Satan. And so Paul writes here, it says we must be willing to give attention to others. And I understand that everybody has an innate desire to have attention and to get attention and to receive attention. But in the family of God, there's a need today for us to be willing to consider others. And tonight, whenever you make a choice, you need to consider others when you make that choice. We must be willing to give attention to others. Verse 24, he says, and provoke one another to love. We must be willing to give applause to others. The word provoke means or expresses excitement. 
It means that Christians should endeavor to excite each other in the love of God. Excitement's contagious. Do you believe that? Excitement's contagious. Nothing makes me more uh, frustrated, for lack of a better term, than for us to load up that van on Saturday morning at 5 o'clock and drive 200 miles or 150 miles and get out and, and watch them girls get on that ball field and they're yawning and they're scratching their head and they act like they don't want to be there and they give up three runs. And, the first, and I'm thinking, I drove all the way over here for this. You know what I like to see, Ty, is when they get there and, and they're all excited, you know, and, they're, and they're, 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 they're talking to each other. And, and the first batter comes up and Ginger's over there saying, hey, nobody on. And outfield, go two. Infield, go one. And the catcher's saying, hey, hey, come on, talk. hit the mitt now. Let's go. Hit the mitt. And the girl on shortstop is talking to the second baseman saying, hey, if the ball gets through, I'm going to cover the bag. You cover. And I like it when it's not, and there's excitement there. And you know what it is? It's contagious. And before long, the outfield's talking and the dugout's talking and the coach are talking and the fans are talking and what, what he's talking about here is provoking, exciting one another encouraging one another and listen, that's the way we ought to do uh, listen, I need you to excite me and you need me to excite you to provoke is not a bad thing, it's a good thing our instructions are imperative, he says and let, he says not forsaking the summer ourselves together the only other time, follow me, this particular word was used is 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1 where it talks about the gathering of the church together with the Lord. It's talking about the rapture. So think about this. What this is saying is that our assembling together on earth is just as important, it's just as, moment, it's just as monumental as our assembling together with the Lord. Amen. When's the last time you heard a song wrote about going to church? Not many. Everybody wants to talk about that meeting in the sky. But you know what we need to talk about is that meeting on earth. And, and listen to me, I thought, I thought with all my heart back when the crowd, I said, boy, once this is over, I mean, people are going to be sold out. They're going to be, I mean, listen, we couldn't even come in the doors. I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and I thought, man, if we ever get the doors open and if everybody ever gets back in. But listen, I've talked to preachers around the country and it's happening everywhere. People have never been less faithful than they are right now. And listen tonight, we need the gathering together. Don't get on Facebook and share your little articles about North Valley Baptist Church. Don't get on there and talk about these that won't let people go to church when you lay out every chance you get. Don't talk about it. Amen. Don't, 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 don't. Listen, if you're going to be a hypocrite, at least be a closet hypocrite. Don't just be an out and out, bold-faced liar. Just be, just be, keep it to yourself. Because listen, I've seen people posting that stuff that I ain't seen in months at this church. Amen. You know what the word forsake means? It means to desert, to leave behind. I want to ask you something. What's worth leaving the church behind for? What's Lord? He says, not for sake. Did you know that's a command? Well, that's a command. 
that, that, that's a, I mean, that's not a, 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 a suggestion. It's not Jesus saying, please come to church. Please go to church. Listen, the Christian assembly, the assembling of the church is the life, the food, the nourishment of our souls. And by, and by forsaking the assembling of the church, we are, we are forsaking the very essential nourishment that we need to be vibrant, growing, fruitful Christians. And by the way, it is a forerunner of apostasy forsaken the assembling together and he says as the manner of some is you know what you want to guess what manner means habit Paul said some's got the habit of forsaken have you ever noticed this good habits are hard to make and easy to break and bad habits are easy to make and hard to break. He says, their son, they have gotten the habit of forsaking the church. Remember last Sunday night I preached about the members and their calling and how you got the nose, the ear, the eye, the, the mouth, the head, the body, the members. Every member's got a place. Every member's got a call. And listen to me. There's only one person who can do your part in the body of Christ. And that's you. That's you. And he says that as we see the day approaching, let us not forsake. That word exhorting means to call near. You cannot do that without in-person worship. The calling near. Exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. And tonight as we see the day approaching, we ought to realize that what happens here is vital. It's vital. Don't be tooting your horn about constitutional rights. I've got a biblical mandate to be in the house of God. And so do you. It don't matter if you're called to preach or not. It don't matter. It does not matter. You and I have been told, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And what really bothers me is when it doesn't bother you. I just don't understand that. If you can miss church and not miss church, let me go ahead and put it down here in Georgia redneck language. You ain't right with God. You understand what I said? If you can miss church and not miss it. I, I, is anybody following, picking up what I'm putting out? I know it's Wednesday night, but me and Brother Dylan are leaving at 5 o'clock and we'll be mowing till 9 o'clock tomorrow night. So I'm telling you, I need to go to bed as bad as you do. But the truth of the matter is, listen, Paul said, as we see the day approaching, we need to be careful about our manner, the manner of our life. Too often we treat the church as an accessory. It's like these teenage girls do their earrings. Or the bracelet. You understand? It's just an add-on. You know, church is not an accessory. Church is not an appetizer. Church is not to be a sideshow in our life. And we just, we just give it a token of our time and a token of our attention and a token of our effort and our labor and our love and our minds. Listen, church ought to be the hub. And listen, when the church was the center of, the, of, the, of America and the home in America, it's amazing how God blessed us. We won World War I and World War II. And I'm not convinced or not that we could go to war with Mexico and win. I don't believe we could. 
Our soldiers would be killing each other. Not a joke. I'm serious. I mean, how in the world could we go to war tonight? How could we go to war when we're already at war? We're at war in America on our streets. There's a war going on. And tonight when the, when the church was the center of it all and the stars closed on Sunday and listen, and people wouldn't dare, dare work on Sunday and they would not. I mean, listen, they never called in. They crawled in and it was the center of their home and they had revival in the morning and at night. Amen. Not for a week, for two weeks. And after two weeks, they were just getting started. And we didn't have TVs. We did. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have air conditioning. We didn't have indoor plumbing. We didn't have all that. Didn't have much money. Didn't have anything. I mean, we didn't have none of that. No, no nice clothes kids. The boys wore the clothes the big brother wore. The girls wore the clothes the big sister wore. And, 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 they, and they lived, and the boys worked on the farm. They helped in the farm and the garden and the cattle and the livestock. And they got up when daddy got up. And, they, and most of them never made it past third grade. They didn't have an education. But somehow we become the most prosperous and powerful and successful nation in the history of the world. And I'll tell you why. Because the local church was the center of it all. And now the church has become a sideshow. If the pastor is the only one giving it all, the church will fail. And the pastor can't serve God for you. We're not Catholic, are we? Last time I checked, that sign don't say Father James Martin. It better not. So we don't believe in this vicarious, I can represent you before God. And you understand what I'm saying? I don't believe in that, do you? So how come we live like that? How come we live like that? How come we live like that? I read a quote the other day and it shocked me. It didn't shock me. It really shook me. I guess it would be a better word to say it. He said that the church is full of practicing atheists. Jerry Vine said this. He said, what's the difference between the liberal who don't believe the Bible and don't preach the Bible as the so-called conservative who believes the Bible but don't preach the Bible? He said, they're both practicing atheists. God help us. Here's the incentive the day's approaching. I promise you tonight that when Jesus comes, you and I are not going to regret being faithful to the house of God. And let me say this. The times where it's the hardest to come and it's the most sacrificed to come and, it, and, you, and, it, and it's the times when you have the most reasons not to be here and you come anyway are the days that you're going to be blessed the most for in eternity. I believe that with all my heart. I believe God's going to say, Sister, I don't guess he'll call you sister, daughter. I don't know what's going to be said. But y'all know, y'all catch my drift. I remember you went and you worked that day. You was wore out. 
You come home and you help with homework. You threw them in the tub. You fixed supper and the supper, the, the oven broke and it didn't work. The washing machine went out. You couldn't wash the clothes. The church clothes were all dirty. You had to iron your church clothes. And then your husband come in hollering and stomping, saying, where's my food? Where's my clothes? And you, and you got it all again. You just threw up your hands and said, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I don't even know why I'm going. But I, I remember you got your Bible. You got in the car and you went anyhow and you didn't feel like going. You didn't really want to go, but you went anyhow. I saw that. And let me go over here. I'm going to get you one of these big shiny trophies. I'm going to get you one of these real nice, real, real, real nice rewards. You're going to get one of these over here. I believe that in my heart. Those days where you come home from work, Dad, and you got up early before the sun come up, and you went to work, and you worked all day, and everything that could go wrong went wrong, and the old foreman got on you, and the boss got on you, and they was trying to, and it was a bunch of back and forth, and people that work around you and under you, they wouldn't do nothing. They wouldn't hit a lick at a snake. I mean, they were just doing their normal thing, and everything went wrong, and you went out to the car, and there was a flat tire on the car. You changed the flat tire, and then your spare tire was flat as well, so you had to leave the car, go get another tire, and you come back and you said there's no way I can make it I could call brother Martin right now and say I've had a flat tire at work I, I, I don't know there ain't nothing I, and he'd say that's fine and brother Martin would never say it. but you said you know what I'm going to go because I need to go because I, I ought to go and you went on and you got there God will say I saw that I was there too that night remember he's here too and he said I'm glad I saw you that night Amen. and there's going to be rewards but did you know there's also going to be lost rewards there's going to be loss of reward. And there's going to be people standing there. And the Lord's going to say, let me have that. Let me, let, let me. The Bible says from then the half will be taken. Do y'all believe that? <laughs> Am I still in the Bible? I believe I'm still in the Bible. And giving them the one, the talents and all that, you know, that parable. We'll get to it one of these days. But Brother Glenn... At the judgment seat of Christ, I want to stand before the Lord and I want him to look at me and I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. And I know in order to hear that, I've got to be committed to this right here. This right here. The church has suffered for so long. For so long. And preachers, we're as guilty and we have, we have enabled... We have enabled a complete forsaken of the assembling of God's people. We've enabled it. We've enabled it. And I'm telling you, it's a shame. And tonight, we ought to commit ourselves as we see the day approaching to say, by the grace of God, I want to keep the faith. How do we keep the faith, though? We come in here and we're, we, we learn about it. We're reminded about it. We're exhorted about it. And, and we ought to say, God, Lord, by the grace of God, I want to keep the church in the middle of my life. I want my children, I want to raise them around church and in church. And I want the church to, be, to, to be, have a place of importance in my family. I don't want my kids to grow up and think that it's a take it or leave it thing. Folks, the day's coming. How's he going to find us?